Nerds Podcast. Right. And I'm Stephanie Holbrook, and you are? I am Coach Ryan Smith. Exciting. So what is your specialty, Coach Ryan Smith? I know that you're special in? Well, I'm probably most known to be a specialist in running, running form, running injuries, and all things related to to the running, whether it be with triathletes or uh, the beginning runner or even ultramarathoners. Awesome. Well, um, for today's topic, because um, I happen to be one of these people getting back into running, and I know a lot about posture correction, but mm-hmm. I, um, I'm curious about how you get back into running after an injury. What are your recommendations? How do you start out? Um, increasing volume and that sort of thing. Well, obviously it's going to depend on what, what we've got coming back from, from an injury. Are we dealing with a foot, ankle, you know, shoulder? Is it a, what type of injury we're dealing with, surgery or whatnot? But, you know, obviously one of the key there is starting slow. But whenever you're coming back from an injury, this is the perfect time to start dealing with, um, coming up with things like Working on your running form, dealing with mobility issues. So, you know, one of the the really big things that I see a lot of runners that have are hip flexors that are just way too tight because people are spending so much time sitting, you know, all day, every day at their job. They drive to work, they're in their car, they get to work, they sit for eight, ten hours a day, and their hip flexors become quote unquote tight or shortened. Um, because they're they're sitting and opening up those hip flexors. Um, whenever the hip flexors are too tight and you're running, you tend to lean forward too much. You're looking down. You kind of turn the glutes off, and your hamstrings end up doing too much of the work, and they're doing the work of what your glutes would be doing. So we ended up with a just really really poor form. So and out of that comes plantar fasciitis a lot of times that high hamstring tendinopathy um you know low back low back pain in bad with a bad running form is really big i see that a lot i see that a lot too um and other uh so once you've addressed hey i have tight hip flexors i have poor glute activation and Mm -hmm. um you know you problems with plantar fasciitis then what would your next step be so you've identified like your average runner who sits in a desk all the time um what what steps would you take to mitigate those problems right so with every runner that i that i go through is we're going to spend some time i'm going to put them through a functional movement screening so uh that's one of the big things so everything from the professional athletes, every athlete that goes through the NFL combine goes to a functional movement screening. What is a functional um, movement screening for our listeners? So, yeah, so the functional movement screen you know, is a system that is developed by um, a few professional individuals, uh, Gray Cook, Lee Burton. Uh, they are um, kind of experts in their field uh, with physical therapy and strength and conditioning. But this is a, it looks at how we move as a human species. So it's not sports specific, but it's human specific. So what we do is we're looking at seven 
movement patterns from the body as a whole. So we're going to look at a uh, an unloaded overhead squat. We're going to look at a single leg balance where they're doing a step over. It's a hurdle step. We're going to look at a um, at a lunge. We will do a modified push up test. We will have a shoulder mobility. We have a single leg raise, and we have a rotational core, which is basically it's a um, looking at. Can you do right arm, left leg, right arm, right leg, different patterns from the floor at different times? So there's seven basic movement patterns that we're going to look at. These are things that all humans should basically be able to do. The research has shown that depending upon where you score, you're either highly likely for an injury or you're less likely for an injury. So it's great for pre-screening when an athlete is getting started, but it works really well from coming back from an injury. Are you ready to return to sport? Are you ready to return to daily living? That's pretty cool. So once you have identified, oh, you have some functional movement problems, and then Mm -hmm. you go through and designing a program that um, corrects those, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. so they're going to get some, usually, most people are going to get around 10 to 15 minutes worth of stuff that they're going to do per day. It's going to be things that are going to seem very, very simplistic, but they're going to be very difficult for them to do. And there are things that they're going to do every day. So it's not like a hard workout, but then if they're also working out, it's going to be things that we may build into their workouts. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so let's say somebody doesn't have... They're not going to a functional movement practitioner, and they're right, not right. getting a movement test, but they know that they sit in a desk all the time. You know, that's mm-hmm. their job. And they know right. that um, they have low back pain, and they're having problems with plantar fasciitis and uh, with uh, their hip flexors being tight. So why would you recommend just a couple things for those people to do practically for them to do now to fix to help fix those problems right one of uh, a couple of different things i do would be would be using a lysing and foam roller um on the quads that kind of hip flexor the um the adductors which is the with the inner thighs we've got we want to open up all that area start relieving that another great one is even just laying on a foam roller so you kind of put the foam roller under your glutes your shoulders are on the floor your feet are on the floor pointing straight up and you kind of and you're relaxing and you're letting those to get some more mobility in there exactly so we're going to get open those up open those hip flexors up even my athletes that have good mobility i have them do that stretch every morning for three minutes oh that's cool that sounds pretty actually pretty comfortable i've done that before and it feels good under your glutes so it's really easy yeah, so at the Czech Institute, um, I'm a Czech exercise coach, and we, we do um, a postural assessment, but it's more like you're, there are movement patterns that, that they go through, but it's not quite the same. It's like you put you against a plumb bob, and everything runs through your lateral medialis, your ankle bone, the plumb bob, the line should run right through the middle of your femur, right through your... Um, the middle of your shoulder and then right behind your ear so if you're not you know in that alignment and then when you're looking at you know then we also do the plumb bob that dissects your body and mm-hmm. so you should be symmetrical 
if you're not, a lot of people are tight, um, quadratus lumborum, and right. it's going to pull you over, you know, if you have some, you know, shoulder pain, your shoulders can be, if you have weak lats, your shoulders are going to roll in, and, right. uh, you know, if you're right-handed or left-handed, you're going to get some discrepancies there, so we go over sure. that um, screening as well, it's, it's just a different, different way to assess imbalances, but I think both are very practical and very usable to like a starting point. I like how Paul Check always says, if you're not assessing, you're guessing. So if you're not assessing with a problem. It's a test, retest too, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I want to test you. I'm going to teach it to you and I'm going to retest. And then we want to build that so that's, so that we've developed it into a system for you so that becomes part of your everyday movement. Right. Very cool. Yeah. So, so that uh, so working with those with those, but then one of my other favorite tests that I have people do. So like if I'm seeing somebody virtually, I want to put I'm going to have them get in front of a mirror so they can see themselves. Right. Because as a runner, what is running? Running is a series of one-legged balances, right? Right. So if if they can't stand on one foot stable, then that's a that's an issue because you know depending on what you're doing for. What distance? I mean, if we've got a runner who's at an optimal cadence, they're over 26.2 miles for a marathon. They're uh, at a 180 beats per minute cadence. Their feet are on the ground 46,000 plus times over that marathon. It's a lot of that's a lot that's of, a lot of balancing on one foot. It is. So half of that is on each foot. So that's a that's a lot of balance. Even though if they're only on there for a fraction of a of a second, on average two tenths of a second, but they need to have that ankle stability and endurance for that entire time. Right. Right. They're they're not getting rest. So I'm going to have people. I'm going to first. Can you stand? Get in front of a full length mirror. I'm going to have you stand and then lift one leg. Do you notice that your hip drops out? Do, are you ha- able to maintain your your stance? Do you you know what's going on in your body? Just look to see what's happening, and then as you're standing there, is your foot twitching all over the place? You know, are your big toe coming up? So I want you to stand barefoot, and I want to see what's what's going on there. You know, that's a that's a huge thing. If a runner can't balance on one leg, we don't need to be training for a marathon yet. <laughs> right. The. Uh... I have a question about ankle mobility because I have arthritis in my right ankle and I have very mm-hmm. poor mobility. And okay. I have yet to be able to loosen it up. Okay. So, and I know I've been, you know, getting massages on my calves, my shins, like working on doing the alphabet with my big toe, you know, stretching my calves, the um, soleus and the gastrocnemius. I've been doing all of that, like, and I still have really poor mobility. So how, what would your recommendation, what would your recommendations be for getting, working in some mobility in your ankles? Right. Right. So, so with that, that is you need, you need, you need to put, put a little bit of load on it. You need to going to do some, uh, some, some different ankle mobility, mobility exercise. So doing like from a, from a half kneeling position, position. Uh-huh. uh, this, this is, is one where I'm going to go through and I'm going to try to start working on that ankle. I want to, um, I don't want to call it, I, I'm, I will say it's attack the tightness. 
So I don't want I don't want pain, but I want to start working mobility in the direction of where the limitation is. Right. So we, you know, and there's could be a lot of things. Again, this is, you know, there's could be that hey, maybe we have a talus that's you know that's not seated properly. Maybe we've, um, you know, not just um, arthritis, but maybe there's something else that's going on there. Maybe we actually have a a slight twist in the tibia and the fibula that's there where where they're not lined up properly. There's a whole lot of stuff that could be going on. So, you know, just saying, hey, here's a here's an exercise to do that. But that's um, you know, that's one where I can put somebody in a half kneeling. I'm going to have them kind of put a kind of a broom handle or a dowel on the floor, kind of out by their little toe, and then start. Moving their knee out on the outside of that dowel, so their foot is on the inside, and then their knee. Get it to go past that. Exactly. So I'm going to start working because the big problem is most people, if it's frozen, quote unquote, uh, towards that outside direction, towards their pinky toe, then if it's frozen there and they can't get that ankle mobility, the foot is going to look for mobility somewhere, right. the lower level. So then they're going to end up, they're going to start collapsing their arch, their knee's going to start caving in, we're going to get this, those valgus knees, we're going to, the, now the hip is out of alignment, the knee's out of alignment, we're putting pressure, you know, across that knee the way it's not really designed to go. It's, it's okay to do it a little bit, but whenever we're doing this repeatedly and that foot is collapsing down, and we're not getting proper ankle mobility, then, and that's key in a runner. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Very interesting. So, uh, do you have any race plans in the future? Are you going to be racing? Well, um, actually, I had originally kind of come up with a plan. Weeks of uh, about ten weeks of training, getting myself ramped up for that. See how that goes. Uh, I'm going to do some definite, some unique training for this. Um, I'm no unique training. So where most people are going to do, you know, there it's about miles to finish a race. For me, it's about efficiency. So you know, that's where running form comes into play. But the other thing that I'm looking at is, is I train with a device called the gravity suit. So the gravity suit is a um, compression and weight suit that where I can change the weights throughout my entire body. So I'll use a um, use a little bit of weight and start building up from over over time. So me, where I normally train at around 175 pounds, I'll actually. So my first week of training, what I'm going to do is while I'm building, I'm going to train at 178 pounds or, and then the next week I'm going to train at 182 pounds and kind of build up to there. So what I do is I am actually recruiting. So you're adding weight to your body. So you're yeah. like, you're, it's like you're, you're gaining weight, but not really. For, right. Just for so, running. Right. So if you think about strength training a runner. So as a, as a runner, if we're in the gym, and we're trying to strength train a runner, and they're on a leg press machine. Not one of my favorite things for a runner, and not really big on using machines for for my runners anyway. But if they're on a leg press machine, we're as we were talking a moment ago, 180 reps per minute is what we're doing as a runner, or 90 per leg. Some runners that are less are going to be you know 80 per leg or whatnot. But there's no exercises in the gym that we can do 180 repetitions a minute. 
right? So how do you strength train a runner that's doing 180 repetitions a minute? We want to start loading them a little bit, but without changing their body's mechanics. So if, so one of the big things that a lot of people have done is they run with ankle weights, wrist weights, or a weight vest, different things like that. But those are all changing mechanics of the body. Right. So with the gravity suit, I can actually add a little bit in my back. I can add a little bit in my chest, a little bit in my arms, a little bit in my upper legs, a little bit in my lower legs. So I can take and spread this weight out and do different counterbalances and do some different things depending on what's going on in my body. And I can train and uh, train at a heavier weight, but then when I take it off, I've actually my body is used to recruiting more muscle fibers. So I don't actually have to expend as much energy to race as I do whenever I'm training. Cool. That sounds pretty awesome. So that's exciting. We're going to have to keep up with following how your training's going with the yep. gravity yep. suit. Because it seems like if you add the weight, you... Probably because you're increasing intensity, can you lower the time? Absolutely. Yes. So it makes it like if you're a busy person, you're like, hey, Mm -hmm. I want to train for this marathon, but I don't have, you know, time. I don't have like, you know, four hours to do my long run. Right. You can weigh yourself up and do two hours and. Exactly. So it's about efficiency. So to to run fast, I'm going to train fast. To run long, I'm going to run long. Right. So I'm not going to be. So for me, it's not about you know going out and beating my body up. Do do more more with less. So if I so if I I'm looking at only training three days a week. Cool. That's good. Of actual running. And then you're going to supplement with some strength training. Are you going to cross train with cycling or just strength training? Um, I'll do some. Um, I'll do some. I'll do mostly strength training. I'll probably do some. um, A lot of my training that I'll be doing for the run. I'll probably do some trail stuff once it dries out a little bit. Um, Because I love training on trails. Because of what it teaches in the in the body for proprioception and strength and yeah, exactly. So you're on those uneven surfaces. There's a lot that comes in there. Obviously, it's hill training whenever you're doing train. uh, Whenever you're doing trails and stuff too. Um, So there's a lot that goes in there. But, yeah, so I'll do some cycling, um, just on the indoor trainer. I will be doing lots of uh, cross-training from, I love using TRX, but one of my other favorite things are uh, bands, like the jump stretch band. Love doing those because you can actually get that, you're getting strength as you go through a whole range of motion. So it's not like whenever you're on a normal dumbbell or barbell where you, there's different peaks in there on a band you're actually continuing to work through that whole range of motion through the whole range of motion exactly exactly and i can train the whole body all at the same time awesome yeah what about you what about you anything coming up i have decided to train for um my seventh half ironman awesome i'm doing um it's not until october silverman it's very hilly so um, I am going to train on a lot of hills. I've done it before, and I had not trained on hills like I would have liked, and I was very slow. So um, I also talked about glute activation and hamstring use. 
I I did have tight hip flexors before and I really worked at loosening them up and I did not have glute activation. You need glute activation for cycling too and really oh, hamstring because yes. oh, you yes. want a solid pedal stroke. You don't want, you know, dead space, you know, clunk, clunk, clunk where you're always pressing. You need to be pulling too. So I've really exactly. been working on getting that full range of motion of pedal stroke and getting the using my hamstrings to pull up. And my hill climbing has already improved. So just by activating those glutes and the hamstrings, you're going to improve mm-hmm. your performance. Absolutely. So, so, so talk to me about the glute activation then. So what are you, are there things that you're doing there with, with glute activation? Are you doing exercises? Are you doing like muscle activation technique? I know, um, I worked on stretching out my hip flexors first, doing some bridges. Um, I also have poor gluteus medius, um, activation. So the band around my knees and doing side squats and, you know, or side lunges, not side squats, but, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, just to really focus on whenever I'm on the bike, that I'm focusing on thinking about those muscles working and making them do the job they're supposed to do. So, um, I, you know, on a flat surface, um, the, <laughs> Sorry about that. And uh, so working on, you know, not riding on, working on a flat surface, really focusing on doing one leg drills, you know, where your your leg is, you can really feel the dead space on your, um, Mm -hmm. and And clip one side, do straight up and and work your different cadences off of one side. So that's sort of what I'm doing to to get my glutes to work. I know that it's working because they're sore. They were never yeah. sore before. <laughs> so you're like, you're like, if you, those muscles are never sore, you're not using them. So, um, right. um, right. <laughs> they're, uh, and I have had a problem in the past with, um, tight hip flexors and running. And I had plantar fasciitis and tore my fascia. So that's when I really started addressing my posture. A lot of it was, poor spinal curvature um, from an accident that I had you know if your spine is out of balance then everything else from that is you know deviated so I've corrected the curvature of my spine quite a bit I need to have it remeasured to find out where it's at now but I know it's better than it was you know you should have like 30 to 35 percent Cervical curvature, 30 to 35%. Thoracic, 30 to 35% lumbar. Right. So um, right. I was, um, my um, cervical curvature was 55 and my lumbar was 55. So I had a huge S curve, like, and right. it, um, right. my shoulders were rounded in. You know, my, I had way too much anterior pelvic tilt and it threw pretty much everything off from there. So I worked first right. on fixing, you know, the spinal curvature and it, everything started to fall back into place after that. But I still have the problem with the ankle mobility of arthritis in your ankles. So it's most right. of my right ankle is the biggest problem. So, so whenever you look at that, so, you know, there's obviously things that we would address from a, um, 
from an arthritis standpoint? What do we what do we have that's going on that's keeping inflammation going on in the body? Right. Omega threes, you know. Right, and I'm doing all those things. Okay. Okay. So it is better. I don't feel the arthritis. I just don't. My ankle just doesn't move. Right. Right. So. So which is, well, is good. Right. But yeah, right. and I've been doing, you know, using more turmeric. Mm-hmm. Um, in my supplements and or uh, in my cooking. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing bone broth, which has the glucosamine, chondroitin, and collagen all in it. Right. So I do right. about a cup a day of um, organic chicken broth. Okay. Okay. And um, how about magnesium how about oil? Magnesium oil. I do have magnesium oil, and I've been using it. Um, magnesium oil burns, so it's not always my favorite. <laughs> but um, I do take a lot of Epsom salts baths, and I take Natural Calm in the evening. Okay. Okay. So that's I'm doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so from that so standpoint, from that as standpoint, far as, as you know, sometimes there's just ankles. And I have a right ankle that from ankle injuries that I don't have full mobility. So we have to work on running form around that. So what, you know, and many times it could be ankle mobility that is creating hip flexor tightness. Or is it hip flexor tightness is creating, you know, ankle immobility. There's so many things that, that come into play. So that's where, you know. Trying to figure it out on your own, it really is a puzzle piece, a puzzle that you don't have the picture for, right? That's why, that's why you really have to have some type of an expert who can identify this. Unfortunately, you know, whenever we're looking at a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of therapy things, people aren't looking at the whole body. It's like you look at, you know, if, And I'm not going to, I'm not bashing anybody here, but it's basically the way our medical system is set up is you go to a doctor and you say, hey, my knee hurts. They look at your knee. They're not. Right. It could be your hip or your. Anything else. Right. Or your pelvic floor muscles or. Exactly. Right. Or, and you go to a physical therapist because they send you to a physical therapist and they say, oh, okay, your knee's hurt. So we're going to strengthen everything around your knee. Again, we're, so we're not looking at all those things upstream and downstream from it, you know. I see so many times that somebody's got an ankle issue and it's because they've had a shoulder issue on that opposite side because they're compensating. And it's like, okay, well, once we take care of that shoulder, then all of a sudden the ankle issue. It's going to fall back into place. Right. Right. And then the other problem is, you know, obviously with insurance, you can only go so far in physical therapy. They're only going to cover for the physical therapist when they do treatment on X because your knee is that X, right? So they're not going to, they don't have the time to look at everything. And then insurance is only going to pay them for six visits, eight visits. They don't have time to address it all. Right. That's true. Yep. So it's, it's unfortunately for so many people, it's, it's a, um, you know, just a fault in the system. Right. And I think physical therapy a lot of times is designed to make you functional. Mm-hmm. It's not designed to make you optimal. Right. It is right. definitely it is not definitely designed not to return you back to full back performance. To performance. Right. That's, it's that's, designed so you can do daily activities. Yep. So you can, yep. if you could, you know, for my son, he's in physical therapy now because he broke his foot in two places because he's, you know, reckless. <laughs> he's a teenage boy. And... um his physical therapy is just designed to get, you know, more mobility back in his foot and his ankle, but it's not designed to make him a great runner. Right. 
right. or sprinter or you know he plays lacrosse so a lot of you know lateral movements and stuff like that right right yeah yeah so yeah well, so any resources so that you would recommend for people so if they've got um if they've got injuries dealing with some things that that you've dealt with where um well i would recommend um if you're recovering from an injury to look for if you go to check connect c-h-e-k c-o-n-n-e-c-t check connect it's um a website through the check institute that you could find someone to do postural assessment and nutrition recommendations okay and um and they're designed to basically correct from you know, make your posture back to to perfect. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a process. I mean, I've been working on this for a year, and I'm improved greatly, but I'm I'm still not a hundred percent. Right. But um, how about you, Ryan? I had my car accident when I was eighteen, so that's when I really messed up my back, mm-hmm. and it's through my own personal searching that I was able to you know learn about the Czech Institute and figure out oh. There are things you can do to fix that, even though I had been going to chiropractors and, and all, um, and not, not really ever making my back feel better, but not correcting the problem. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so how about you? What resources would you recommend? So well, we were talking earlier about the functional movement screening. So you can go to functionalmovement.com, and you can look for uh, different uh Experts that are there, so certified experts in functional movement. Uh, obviously, I'm one of the ones that's listed on there as well. Uh, right, and I'm listed on the Czech Institute one too. I should, should have said that. So, uh, so that that's you know a great resource that's there. Looking at um, you know. Um, obviously, with us both being superhuman coaches, um, you know we got we got our website that's there. They can contact us directly. Um, my email address, which is runnersclinic at gmail dot com, they can email me there. What about you? My email is Stephanie Holbrook at yahoo dot com. Okay, and uh, we will uh, you know we'll definitely get back with you. You know, you can search me up search Google, me up, Google Coach, Ryan Coach Ryan Smith. I'm kind of all over Google. It's there. Um, the my you know, with my Gmail, the Runners Clinic at Gmail dot com. I'm on Google Plus. I'm on Facebook. I'm on you know Skype and Twitter and everything else. Twitter is at Runners Clinic. Right. Send us a link through the podcast show notes and. We will make sure you get in touch with the coach that you want to talk to. So, yeah. if you want Ryan to fix you, he can do that. Yeah. So, I and I've actually worked with people virtually as well, doing movement screenings and doing different programming and things like that. So it's actually there's some different protocols we can use from a virtual, so you don't have to be one on one. So it's cool. uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool to do. I know you have the iPod little like you can do a tape of running and you um mm-hmm. if someone films you running right. um, from right. the side, they can just text you the little film and you can analyze it. Exactly. So, yeah, so I can uh, I can do different gait analysis. So if they've got a, a smartphone, they can record it, they can send it to me, and then I can I can kind of say, hey, here's what we got going on, and go from that. Of course, uh, you know, from, from all this stuff and everything we're talking about today, you know, we are not doctors. We're, uh, you know, we are 
health and fitness professional. So that's you know, correct. We have not evaluated or seen anybody. So you know, we these things we do are not medical advice. So you know, we're not going to be held accountable for talking about that. As I said, you know, there's so many things that be going on in an ankle or a knee or a, a hip. That, well, and I think the difference is um, doctors try to fix a specific problem. Mm-hmm. We try or through um, my training is we're we're trained to put your body back into its natural state correct yeah so there's a difference so one of them we're not treating a specific problem we're just assessing where you're out of balance and trying to put you back into balance exactly yeah and that could be everything from a mental perspective from a physical from a nutritional hormonal there's so many different parts that come into play uh, that, you know, that come, come in there. So we want to take a look at everything. So, you know, don't be short-sighted, you know, look at the body as a whole. It is all connected. So, you know, yeah, when you're depressed, you're, you naturally round your shoulders and that's going to tighten your, um, pec major, pec minor, and it's going to, um, weaken your, um, or strain your lats. And that's going to put your shoulders in an improper position and you could get you know rotator cuff injuries just because your shoulders are rounded which is which depression you know a large percentage is nothing but a nutritional imbalance so not not always don't want to, I want to clarify, but the vast majority, so, you know, these things are 70% of our uh, neurotransmitters are made in our gut system. So, in essence, your brain is doing what you eat. So, we need to make sure that, that you're providing the, the building blocks of those neurotransmitters. So, depression comes from there, which then can lead to shoulder rounding, which can lead to a rotator cuff or an ankle injury. There's, you know, it's not, we can't look at one thing. Right, we're, we're very complex yes. systems. That's yep. true. So, well, we are at 35 mm-hmm. minutes, so we wanted to keep our podcast yep. for 30 minutes, and this is yep. our first right. one. Right. So, our, and we have other interviews done that we need to post right. as well. So, right. so we're going to call it a day, and hopefully you will see us next week. We'll be recording another podcast next Friday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Try to get this out on a weekly basis and do everything we can to bring you the latest in the fitness nerds arena. Yes, perfect. Talk to you later, Ryan. All right.